what we do here is go back, 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 back. You are listening to the It's Not About You podcast. I am Felicia Baird, and I will be chatting with social entrepreneurs and other inspirational people around the world about all things lifestyle, business, and how they're giving back to the communities around them all at the same time. I hope you guys are all buckled in, and let's do this. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in today. This is so exciting because this is my very first podcast that I am releasing to you and the first person that um, is going to be on the podcast is Sahar Gasparetto and she is amazing. This conversation was so amazing. It was so inspiring. She's such a beautiful, beautiful person and I think that you're really going to love her. She's an optician in the Toronto area who has started a mobile business to be able to help people who can't afford glasses get glasses. She goes around to community centers. She helps people who are on a fixed income. She's just so inspiring. She came here from Iran with her two children. She was a single mom and she put herself through school to become an optician. And her goal was to work in a big corporation. Well, when she finally got that, she realized that about 30 to 40% of people were being turned away because they couldn't afford the glasses in the store and she didn't like that. That didn't make her feel good. You can tell by listening to Sahar that her, her soul just wants to help everybody as much as she can and she's just such a giving person that it didn't make sense and it didn't make her sleep well at night knowing that she couldn't help people. So that was her goal. She figured out a way to have a mobile business and she's just doing it. She's on the ground and she's so, so amazing. And I think that you're really going to love her. So thank you so much again for tuning in and I hope that you enjoy it. All right. So thank you for being on this podcast today. That's super cool. Thanks for having me, uh, Felicia. Perfect. Um, So what made you want to um, start a mobile business? You have been an optometrist for so many years. What made you now decide to to go out and, and help people? So just make it clear first, Felicia, I'm not an optometrist. Optometrist is oh. an eye doctor. I yeah. am an optician. So like optician, optometrist, ophthalmologist, there are three people are working together. If I want to compare optician with another field is going to be like a pharmacist and physician. So I'm working as a pharmacist with the physician. Okay. So I am an optician. So to be honest with you, working at a store for the big corporation as a managing optician for so many years. So, and uh, believe it or not, I was making a great money there and I feel there is something is not right. Mm-hmm. And um, I decide because I realize when you're working in the big corporation, so people are coming and I realize like there are 30, 40% of the people can come to the shop, but they cannot afford to uh, pay for their glasses. The reason is because the glasses became luxury and fashion instead of necessity Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so that made me to think about this so how can i help people as an optician because when you are the managing optician 
you are more focused at the retail in the big corporation is all about sales. So when I was in the managing position, so I was very successful. My performance was 130% to plan, like way more than their expectation. But as I said, I felt when I come home, when I sleep, I felt something is not right. And that's not I want to to be and I want to do for the rest of my life. I want to be helpful for the people. And especially when I saw the people coming to a store and they cannot afford to buy the glasses because they are too expensive. And the reason they cannot pay for those glasses because the glass they have to pay for their, like the fair people has to pay for their bills, for their food, for their rent. And if there is something left, they have to think about correct their vision. Mm-hmm. And like imagine a students, if they cannot see, how can they learn? So a student, if they can see, they um, learn more or the worker, they can earn more or the elderly and senior, they can be active and engaged. So when the people are coming like um, to the shop, what they pay, they not paying for the glasses only. They pay for all those overhead costs, like their rent, they're paying for the head office space, for the huge ad on the billboard along the highway, the name on the frame. So, but what I'm doing as a mobile optical, I do not have those marketing expenses. Yeah. So they have a big margin. I do not take any margin. So what I'm doing, I'm just going to the communities and um, the selection of the frames is all the top quality frames with the one year warranty. The lenses are not limited for any prescription. And like the people going to the shop and probably that's going to cost them almost a thousand dollars for a pair of glasses. So if they come to me, they're going to get the same quality frame. It just doesn't have a brand name on it. And with the same quality of the lenses with one year warranty between hundred to $250 depends how complicated that prescription is or what type of the coating they need on their glasses. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah, I came to you and uh, you gave me some pretty stylish frames. So, yeah, okay. And you are one of my customers, and I'm glad you are happy. So, to me, um, glasses are not a luxury. Seeing clearly is a necessity. Mm-hmm. Like, my mission is to make glasses affordable to everyone. Like, if the doctor, the students, professors, or people are on social assistance, they come to me. The selection of the frame and the lenses are the same for all of them. So when you said that um, glasses are kind of a little bit more of a fashion statement now instead of a necessity um, for some, was there a time when you were working and you felt like it was right because there wasn't such a markup on glasses or has it always been that way? No, actually since I started because I came to Canada in 2006 so I'm in this field like since 2008. Mm-hmm. And at the beginning, to be honest with you, my focus was to establish, like to get the full-time job as a new immigrant, as a newcomer, because at the beginning when I started, I was on the social assistant as well. 
So because I was a single mom and then I had two kids and I had to improve my English and then I had to go to the college and to just build my career. So my focus was that time only myself to just, you know, uh, stay on my feet and get out from the social assistant and support myself. So when I started from 2008 in the optical field, like I started as a casual part-time, only five, six hours per week. And, but shortly I promoted to be a store manager. And when I got to be, when I just uh, promoted to be a store manager, when you get them like a new shipment to a store, so it used to be come with the invoices. Like when I see, okay, we got the huge like box of the frame and I, got, I could see all the frame prices on the invoice because I was the manager, I was access to all those things. And then the price tag we have to add it was ridiculously expensive. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking about it like um, uh, the people are not paying. That Back to that time, I realized people are not paying for the real price of the glasses. They're just paying for the, like, all the, the other expenses. So since 2000, to be honest with you, since 2009 and 10, like I was thinking about it, how can I make it do something differently? Mm -hmm. But I never ever think about, I never, like I didn't know how to start and where to start and what to do. And part of me, so I had a stable job, I was making a good money, so now I'm out of the social assistant, and then I can support myself and my family. And why I have to think, you know, you know, when you are stable, change is always difficult. Mm -hmm. But um, these things happen, it didn't happen overnight, like it's happened years and years, because that feeling is really bothering me, which is I can do something differently. And But what's happened, Last year, I was lucky enough to uh, meet the gentleman up in Montreal. Um, gentleman in Montreal, which is his name is Philip Rochet. He's the Montreal optician in Montreal area. Which is I find the link like a short video. Um, I'm not sure where, but I watched the video. It was about two minutes video. I saw this gentleman. He's an optician. He is going to the 45 different communities. And I just said, oh, my God, so that's what I want. But I didn't know somebody else is already doing this. Mm -hmm. I sent an email for Philip Rochet, which is he's currently my mentor and my coach. So I sent the email for Philip Rochet. And believe it or not, I didn't even think about it. Like, he's going to respond back that fast. And I sent the email at 12 o'clock in the night, which is, okay, Philip, uh, this is Sahar. I'm an optician. I love what you do. I really appreciate what you do. This is my my thought. I didn't know how to start, where to start, and I would like to get your opinion. And he, in the morning when I woke up, I checked my email and I said, oh, my God, there is an email from Philip. And he said, okay, let's talk on the phone. And then we talked on the phone, and I just said, Philip, I would like to come to Montreal and meet you in person. And on April 2016, so I drove to the Montreal. I met Philip. I was there for two days. So he kind of walked me through everything, and we went to the community together. And the way he's operating his business, so it's unbelievable. Like, make it very simple. And um, so everything starts from there. 
So then what I'm doing and what Philip is doing, which is I'm following him because what he's doing is amazing. And he's such a humble and amazing person. Mm -hmm. Like what we love to do is that is very important for us to give back for every single pair of glasses we sell. We donate $10 back to the charity of their choice. Whoa. Uh, and the communities, yes. It's kind of, we help the community as well. It's kind of the fundraising. So currently, I'm helping the Torncliffe Neighborhood Office community. So there is a settlement counselor there. Her name is Carolyn Wetson. Mm -hmm. So actually, she reached out to Philip because she listened to the audio from the Philip in Montreal, which is what he's doing. And he reached out to Philip. If, if Philip can bring this service to their community, because their community is almost have a 35,000 member. And then Philip actually respond to that email, which is he can't come to the Toronto area, but um, he introduced me to them, which is I'm coached by him. And I'm doing exactly the same service model he doing is doing in Montreal. And uh, Carolyn uh, sent me an email, and I just said it was, she would like to meet me. And everything has started from there as well. Like, I'm going to their community, to different locations, twice a month. And um, so I'm in their monthly schedule. So when people are coming, those people has the social assistant for, mm -hmm. uh, like a welfare and ODSP. So they don't need to pay anything. And the selection of the frame and the lenses are the same as for everybody else. There is no limitation. And um, for some complicated prescription, sometimes they have to pay only 20 bucks. And what if they can afford that? So I can waive that one as well. And uh, for the other people, like they do not have the social assistant, they are working, but they have lots of expenses to pay and mm -hmm. they're not able to see and they're affected on their daily routine. So they can use that services as well. They're coming there, they choose their glasses, they bring the prescription to me. And um, so, and then they're coming to pick up, like, as I said, the prices are between 100 to $250. And um, so they're pretty happy. So... And, um, like, I had a customer, a client from the community about a week ago. Her prescription was extremely strong. And when she came, she was very hopeless. And then she said, this is my prescription. I need a progressive prescription. I'm not able to see and lots of problems. So when I ordered her glasses, when she picked up her glasses, she was on tear. Like, she was tearing. She <laughs> told Caroline that she is, it's, uh, she never even thought she, one day she can own a pair of glasses, progressive glasses. Wow. And the lenses are very, very thin. Like, she got the high index lenses with the high definition lenses because her prescription with the, like, minus eight, minus nine, with minus three astigmatism, Mm -hmm. That lenses in the shop, it's $1,000 lenses, plus the frame. And then plus, if they want to get the warranty, they have to pay for the warranty as well, top of that. Like that frame glass is going to cost her at shop for $1,200. That's what for a while she haven't had any glasses. And imagine with that prescription, like that person is blind. Yeah, they then can't how see. how come they're going to manage their daily routine? 
mm-hmm. and um, so and then for each as I said each pair of glasses so ten dollar go back to the community so it's going to help the community it's help the people and make me feel better which is I can um, use my field to help the people that's mm-hmm. that's my mission is yeah of course that's amazing um when you had come to Canada what why did you choose to get into the career that you chose to do? That's a good question, actually. So when I was in back home, I was a content. So, but um, part of me, I always wants to help the people. I didn't want to only make the money and have a better life. Part of me, like even though when I was in the back home, believe it or not, we have a different culture. So, like, when I was driving at the street, if the people, like the especially elderly people, are standing beside the street, like, and they need help, I stopped and I helped them. And I remember when I came, came here, my kids told me, Mom, never do these things here because it's here in a different country, and mm-hmm. then you might be in trouble if you do these things. Yeah. I always had a feeling to help people, and I give them, like, my phone number, and I just said, guys, if, like, they're old, like, old lady, if you need anything, if you want to go to the shopping and then and just call me, I can, I can make an arrangement to come. I always have that feeling to help the people. Like, that's make me feel better when I come to bed, you know? It's what I did differently today to help the people, mm-hmm. to be a little bit different. And um, We need more people like you. Came, <laughs> absolutely, yes. I came to Canada and I didn't know what to do because, first of all, I have to learn the language. I, was con- I had a very tough start here. I lost my brother after 20 days. I came to Canada. He was here. So, and then um, my husband left me after 20 days after because he couldn't find the proper job here. Like he was an engineer in back home. He couldn't adjust, you know, that change. And he decided to come back and I decided to stay. So I had a very tough start. So it was so much to deal with and so much to figure it out. Yeah. And that I was sure I do not want to be a content anymore, even though I heard like that's a good job in Canada and I can make a good money out of it. But I just said, this is not what I want to do. Sorry. So what, that the fair, yeah, go ahead. What was it? A, a content? Yes. Okay. What's that? Okay. Maybe my problem, I don't pronounce it right. A content? Like the people are doing all the calculations, you know, like bookkeeper. Oh, an accountant. Yes. Okay. That's right. Yes. Yeah, sorry <laughs> about it. I told you no, at the beginning. Okay. Maybe some, some words the pronunciation. No, it's okay. <laughs> yes. So then when I came here, so I, to be honest with you, at the first, I was thinking to be a nurse. And um, my social worker actually recommends, so yeah, that nurse is going to be a good job here. You can help the people and you can make a good money of the be a nurse. And um, it's always a very secure job. And But what I did for any field I wanted to choose, I decided to, to just do some volunteer job, like in that place to see if I like that job or it's me if I can do that job. And I went to the hospital and I spoke with a couple of nurses and I stayed in the hospital for like as a volunteer for a couple of days. And um, I thought, no, this is not what I can do. I can't help because I get so nervous and depressed when I, you know, I feel I, I, I couldn't do this. Mm-hmm. I think this is not what I want to do. Like, it's a great job. It's a great career. You can help the people, but that's not me. Yeah. And... Um, it's understandable. One of those days I was in the hospital, actually, one of the nurses, she was the same nationality. And then we were started talking. And then she told me, she actually told me, she said, 
um, why you're not going and take the opticianary course, which is, and I just said, what is an optician? Because I didn't know what does that mean. And then she told me, yeah, but, you know, for the, like, like a physician and pharma pharmacist and physician, you're working with the optometrist and eye doctor, you make the glasses, you do the contact lenses for the patient. And there was something which is, I thought, okay, this is kind of is interesting for me and I like it. So that's what made me, and then believe it or not, when I spoke with her after three months, so I was already past all those steps which I had to pass for the exam and everything to uh, be on the, sitting on the class for the opticianary program, which I took the four years part-time program. It was a two years full-time, four years part-time, but because I had a language problem and it was very difficult for me, I decided to take it as slowly to just make sure to not to give up yeah wow that's a that's a dedication that's for sure yeah, absolutely some days believe it or not like um, anatomy it was a uh, I, it was very difficult for me some days i have to study like maybe it takes two hours for the person the english is the first language to study that course for the like for the exam i had to study 13 or 14 hours because mm -hmm. the word had different meaning for me and i had to find out like every organs in your body so i knew in my own language but now in the new language was different and i had to understand and i have to the right dictation because we could lose the mark because of the wrong dictation mm -hmm. so some days like i had to study for 13 and 14 hours per day to just uh, that that was impossible for me to go to the full-time program i chose the part-time program while still having two kids yeah, I had two kids, but teenagers, and lots of to deal with, but I made it. <laughs> mm -hmm, you did it. That's amazing. Why did you um? Why did you come here? Uh, you know, in, in Iran. So, you know, in Iran, um, it's a great country. I'm not. Um, I'm not questioning that. But uh, as a woman, so you don't have freedom. I never get involved with the uh, government. And but when it comes to the woman right, there is no woman right in, in, in Iran. Mm -hmm. Like man is like a second god. And um, I didn't like the hijab, to be honest with you. That's really bothering me. Mm -hmm. And I want to be free and I want to be um, like who I am. And that's why I thought, and especially for my, I had two kids. And one girl, one boy, and I thought, okay, there is a better opportunity around the world for the kids than my own country uh, because of the situation right there. So then we decide to come to the Canada, and then we apply. So it was 1999. We applied, and uh, but uh, and we got the lawyer from the Canada, which is immigration lawyer. Mm -hmm. And they told us it's going to take about 16 months, but it took about seven years mm. uh, just because uh, that uh, September 11, um, uh, it's just uh, everything got postponed. Mm -hmm. Like when we opened the file um, and apply for the like a permanent residence visa. So they told us uh, like you are eligible to come to Canada, but it, the process is going to be about 16 months from the beginning to end. But um, 
um, 2000s, I believe. I, I don't exactly this, that things happen in the United States. So that's affected on all profile. So and it's postponed. So then. Uh, 1999 to 2006, we got the permanent residence visa in 2006, and then I, I wasn't, I couldn't believe when they called me. I thought, okay, this is, it's just our, our file is buried in the in the embassy, and it's not gonna happen. So to go to go to the Canada, mm -hmm. and I was always thinking about what's the plan B, like what other country I can go, and all of a sudden we got the call from the embassy which is you invited for the interview and we went for the interview in turkey and uh, 2006 we flew to the canada and but as i said like my husband had a good position in iran he was an engineer he was uh, managing 300 people and he knew when he come here he has to start from the scratches mm -hmm. he knew those things wasn't wasn't surprised but he knew was different than when he face to the reality and then when, when he came here he decided he said this is not he had to start from the scratches like he has to start from the, i believe he got the job in a burger place the name links as i remember and he didn't like it he said that's not i can do i can't and he decided to go back and i just after seven years we just wait this long and then we got the approval now we are here you knew and he said, this is not what I want to do. And I don't want to lose my job in back home. Yeah. Uh, and uh, then he called uh, in his company and he said uh, he decided to come back uh, if they saved their job yet. And they said, yeah, the job is safe for you. Come back. And he decided to go back and I stayed with my kids. Wow, that must have been hard. It was difficult. It wasn't easy at all. That was a very difficult decision. But I was really, really passionate uh, to be in Canada, and uh, I never ever even regret from the decision I made. That's the best decision I ever made, and my kids are very happy. I'm very happy, and I consider ourselves as a very success successful family here. Mm -hmm. And um, and honestly, believe it or not, uh, for me, Canada is my home country. Like, I I love this country, and lots of opportunity. Uh, and um, even if it wasn't because of the Canada, I wasn't the person I am today. That's beautiful. Yeah. So you you saw the bigger picture and you just you ran with Absolutely. it. Absolutely. I'm. You know what? I I can't consider myself as a successful immigrant, but I'm not uh, the place I want to be yet. Because as I said, I want to grow this service for everybody. Not everybody are aware of the services. So the community is helping me to just uh, let the people know the service is available for everyone. But I still I know there are so many people around. They don't know about the service and they need glasses and they can't afford the glasses and it's bothering me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So did, there was no one else doing other than the guy, um, a Philip in Montreal. He no one else was even thinking about trying to help people be able to afford glasses who couldn't afford them? Um, in Canada, in Toronto? In Toronto, yeah. So I know the Lens Crafter, they have a one-site program, which is, that's an amazing program. Like, um, like they offer the free eyeglasses, actually. Free eyeglasses to the people they cannot afford. Mm -hmm. But the only things about that program, which is, this is amazing, but it's only very, very limited selection of friends. 
and it works for the very, very mild prescription because the, the free offer is only for the basic lenses. So for the very complicated prescription, so the basic lenses doesn't work. Like you got the glasses finish off or the, like you're working on the computer, you need the blue IQ lenses, you need the antigolor, you need this, you need that. So under that program, this things is not covered. It's only basic lenses. So like I know so many people going to the lens craft there and uh, they can they can like the, the the offer that free offer they cannot uh, meet their their prescription so then they end up not to get anything because it doesn't work and but but i know i'm aware of that one and but i'm not aware of anything else so you and Philip are just, you're basically the only people that are doing this that you that's know what of. I, that's what I, I, I know Philip told me. There are There is a couple of more people. One of them is in um, Vancouver area. Actually, they, they he's coaching them as well. They try to build the same service in Vancouver. And there is two more places. But it's not in Toronto area. I think that I am the only one, as I'm aware. I'm not 100% sure. Why do you think the markup for lenses are so high? Uh, as I said, like the lenses are high because of their uh, overhead costs. Otherwise, the lenses are not that expensive. The frames are not expensive. The frames are expensive because they you, you they carry the brand name. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And also for the shops, like. I do not have, as I said, those overhead expenses. I don't have a office to rent. Like I'm working from my home office, and I'm, I'm instead of waiting for the people to come to me, I'm going to the people. Mm-hmm. So You're meeting the them. reason, yeah, the reason the glasses are very expensive, it's uh, it's overhead cost. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. What did the company that you're working um, for think of your mobile business? I'm sorry, say it again, please. What did the company that um, you're working f- for or the, the company that you were working for think of your mobile business when you decided to start it? Uh, to be honest with you, um, I didn't let them know. <laughs> yeah, because, you know, it's, it's had a conflict of interest. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want them to think uh, like I'm taking the customer from them because that's never happened. Yeah. And uh, no matter uh, what my passion is and was, uh, still, when I was working in the shop, I was very, very loyal to to them because that's the way it's supposed to be, you know. Yeah. To me, course. even though when you're working for the shop, and uh, no matter if you agree with them or not, if you're not agree with them, you have to quit. If you're, uh, you're if you're working there, you have to be loyal and you have to follow the rule and policy. And I was very loyal and committed, and I never ever even take or offer even to one customer about what I'm doing. Yeah, that makes sense. That's good. Um, what advice would you give to anyone that like can't, you know, can't really feels like they can't sleep at night because they're not living their purpose or anything like that? Okay, your question is like, what I'm what how it, I deal with the people they cannot pay anything at all. Yeah, how do you pay? How do you deal with those people? Like, uh, to be honest with you, I talk with the community. Like, um, if it's come to the extreme case, like if somebody cannot, I make it as affordable as possible for the people. But if somebody doesn't have any social assistance and they can't afford anything, 
So what I'm doing is I donate that glasses to the community and community give me the like the letter, which is I donate this glasses to the community and community give it to the people. Okay, that makes sense. Um, what, what advice would you give to someone who is looking to start their passion? I, my advice is to just, uh, when you want to start, you have always lots of fear. Change is difficult and lots of fear and lots of unknown things. It's just, uh, it, uh, my advice is that's all, it's the thought. So do not afraid of your thought. Let's mm-hmm. face it. Because when you face your fear, it's going to be much easier to just stay on your fear. Mm-hmm. Because um, uh, when you are you're passionate about something and you're not follow your passion, so you sacrifice your passion instead of sacrifice the time you can uh, build that passion, if it makes sense what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I'm always saying, so do not afraid of anything. Just face your fear. It's not going to be easy. Uh, it's not going to happen right away. It's not going to happen overnight. You will you will hear so many no. You're going to get so much rejection. And, but at the end of the road, uh, you will get it. Mm-hmm. I love that. What kind of fears and rejections did you feel like you faced? Uh, you know, the first reject, like the first fear as a newcomer, as a new Im- as an immigrant here was my my English. Like I was saying, okay, like there are so many people out there. They speak English fluent, and sometimes, or not sometimes, uh, it's happened few times. I had to ask them, what does that mean? So one of my fear was this. The second fear was like, um, it's like who's going to believe on me? Mm-hmm. Like, who's going to believe, like, who can trust me, who can believe on me? And, uh, but uh, instead of staying on that fear, I just faced my fear. Like, I went to the different communities. So some of them are more open than the others. But uh, when you put your words out, and the universe, this is what I believe, the universe work out the same way you want. Whatever you want, you have to put your word out. So, and from somewhere, from the place you don't even expect it, and it's coming. So, still I'm saying I'm not the place I want to be yet, Mm -hmm. but I'm in the right, um, I'm in the right road, right direction. So, I'll be achieve my goal um, soon. I love that. I have a big yeah. smile on my face right now. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's talk more about that universe thing because mm-hmm. I'm super into that stuff too. Um, so you just, when you say that you just put it out there, um, how do you, how do you put it out there? Usually, what I do, to be honest with you, and I get get the great, great, great uh, uh, result, and I'm really believing on this. It's um, I write the things down for myself. Like um, most of the time, I write it down in my phone, in my note. Like what I want to achieve, I just picture it. I put myself in that position and that situation, which is they are 
actually I'm, I, I already got them. Like I, I just write this down. I write this down the situation. I like to be in that situation or I'm dreaming in that situation. I write this down and believe it or not, I read it every night. I close my eyes and I picture myself in that situation. <laughs> and um, I name the people. I don't even know those people, but I'm assuming these people I'm going to deal with. And um, that's the way I, I just, um, I, I get my things from the universe. Like I feel it, I picture it. I thanks the universe for getting those things to me, even though I haven't get them yet, but I always thanks the universe. I know it's coming. I know I'm going to get, because I know when you put your words out, when you picture it, when you feel it, you create it. Mm-hmm. You visualize so, it. Yeah, but as I said, the thing is, could be not happen in a, you know, overnight, but eventually it's gonna happen. So mm-hmm. because if it's happened overnight, you never appreciate it. If you get something very fast, you never appreciate it. Mm-hmm. You appreciate something which you earn it. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Did you ever picture yourself as a woman from? your country coming here and doing what you're doing did you ever see that for yourself or yeah when I was in the back home honestly I, I didn't think about to be an optician but believe it or not Felicia it's I always picture myself in the media and uh, like I did something differently mm-hmm. and they invite me like for the interview and they ask me uh, what I made, what made me to like do these things, even though I didn't know what's gonna be, but that was my picture. Uh, before even I came to Canada, it was even seven years. Like it took. I was always like when if I had a fear, which, which is my pride is buried in the embassy. But in the same time, I was thinking about I'm okay. Like I picture myself. I'm in the Canada, where my house is, where my cars look like, and then and I. Believe it or not, back to that time, I was like like to be um, managing somewhere in Canada because I was hearing like in Iran, uh, people are saying yeah, people are going to the like uh, Canada or different country. Uh, they they are in the good position here. They have to go there and do all the like uh, like like um, um, help me for this. Like they're not gonna get the same position as they used to be in their back home. Mm-hmm. Put it that way. Yeah. But I didn't believe on that. I didn't believe on that. And I picture myself to be a, like a managing the store or managing a corporation. And it happened. It happened. And um, I was happy for a while. But as I said, I felt there is something not right. Mm-hmm. And I, by myself, like when I stepped down from the managing position, my regional manager was so uh, terrified. Like it was so frustrated. Because she just, she was really relying on me. She trusting on me. She knew that a store with me, like it's uh, going smoothly, and she didn't have to be worried for her highest volume store. So I stepped down by myself. Like I, they didn't get rid of me. I stepped by, down by myself just because I just said, uh, this is not what I want to do the rest of my life to make the rich people richer. I want my my passion is to help the people, and because I'm an optician, I can make a difference. Mm-hmm. And yeah. um, yes, that's that's it's all pictured. It's all pictured. That's right. How long have you? Uh, when did you step down from your manager position? 
it was 2016 May. May 2016. So you just had your year anniversary. That's right. That's amazing. Um, do your kids remember coming here? Were they how old were they when they came here? Yeah, my my daughter was 14 years old, and okay. my son was. 10 years old and then right now my daughter is 25 soon is gonna turn 26 and my son is 22 so and they are very happy they are here yeah they must be so proud of you uh, they, they, you know what it's just uh, i'm proud of them as well but my especially my son he's always saying you are my hero mom in my life so and um, like my daughter is dating the gentleman so she's say, she's saying like she's talking about um, his mom, which is uh, he's going. She's going through a lot, and uh, when I just talked with my daughter, and I just said, "Okay, she can do this. She can do this." And she's telling me, "Mom, um, not all the women are as strong as as you." And I appreciate what they're telling me. It makes me feel better. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'm sure all the women has the same. I don't believe on. Some people are stronger than the other one. It's just a matter you have to uh, face your fear. Mm-hmm. That's all. There was a night uh, I was so hopeless. I was like in my by myself in my room. I was crying. My pillow was completely wet, but I didn't want my kids to see those because I don't want to discourage them or make them worry. Yeah. I had my own fear too, for sure. I had my insecurities too, for sure. And, but, what I did, like in the morning, no matter how much anxiety I had in the nighttime, no, no much how much fear I had in the nighttime, you know, when you are by yourself, your thoughts, your fears. But in the morning, I woke up, I looked at myself in the mirror, and I just said, you can do it. Mm-hmm. And um, so, and I, I really rely on the, like the positive uh, uh, thinking as well. So, which is, uh, you have to be positive if you want something positive happen in your life, because it's the universe. As I said, it's the, it's the, you attract whatever you, um, you put it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. I'm in, I'm in awe of you. I, <laughs> you are such a beautiful soul. Thank you, Felicia. You too. Thank so you so much. So even you, you are the, like, I never know you. You never know me. Mm-hmm. So this is all the universe, you know. It's all the universe work. Uh, like uh, yours is not a huge media, but it is something. You know what I'm saying? That's that's. I'm very honored to be part of your journey right now, and I really appreciate it. Mm-hmm. So yeah. as I said, dream come true. So I mean, we we, ha- we all have to be that patient and just don't give up on our dreams. Yeah, just kind of visualize it, and then you can absolutely see it. Absolutely. That's amazing. Thank you so much, Sahar. No problem, Felicia. Thank you so much. And um, yeah, that's this is this is really great. Thank you. I, you're one of my very first podcasts, and this was super cool. I will honor it. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it, Felicia. Um, cool. So I hope you have a wonderful day. Thank you so much. You too. Okay. Bye.